My name is David. Um, this this will be my last time with you guys. I'm, I'm feeling a little sad this morning. <laughs> Thank you for letting me be a part of this uh, season and this transition. Um, your search team and your elder team have been working really, really hard. And uh, in a few weeks, Marcus will be joining us. Uh, and that's exciting. Let me just, just give you a little bit here. I want to just... Uh, as we finish up today, just give you some encouragement as you continue the journey. And here's what's been resonating in my head this week. The, um, the voices that we would hear about the gospel will change. But I want you to know the gospel does not change. I was reminded of that this morning as I, I read some in Philippians and in Hebrews and in First Peter. There's three different authors all emphasizing the same gospel with a slightly different emphasis, but it is the same gospel. So, brothers and sisters, stay with the gospel. Here's just a little bit of, of the journey. On January 20th, I received a call from one of your elders here, Randy Altman, uh, giving me a little heads up on what was happening at Trinity Church. <laughs> and we had a conference call with the elders on the 28th of February, March 3rd. I loaded up my little, or I in, accepted the invitation April 8th, loaded up my little car, and uh, here we are. Uh, the 11th of August, Marcus Candidate, you voted on the 18th of August, and on the 3rd of November, just What's that, three weeks from now, four weeks from now? He'll be with you. Pray for him. Lean into the ministry. God has great things. God has great things for his people. Now, what I want us to focus on today is how do we continue to capture what God reveals to us and how do we conserve that and expand on that as we move into the future? See, just because one transition or one season or one segment concludes, that doesn't mean that the game is over. It's kind of like halftime if you're into sports. Some of you are. I, I, I saw that. Um, by the way, just to let you know, I watched Washington State in the last quarter beat USC yesterday. So did your teams win yesterday? Somebody, now it must not have. I'm not hearing much enthusiasm out there. Oh, well. Sorry, there's always next week. <laughs> um, here's, here's what I'd like us to do today. I'd like us just to look at a text this morning that is my conviction will help Trinity Church continue to flourish in the next season. You see, there's always the possibility that we can flounder or we can flourish. The difference is how we approach these things and the attitude that we bring to that situation. Attitude is really everything. My prayer, and I know that your prayer, is that Trinity Church continue to flourish. As I was going through my notes, I picked out a little, a little piece here. I, I made myself some notes. I'm always taking notes, you know, and then I forget where I put them, but I discovered this, and this is dated um, El Paso, Texas, early a.m., April 10th. 2019. I guess that's why we were on our journey here. But here's some things that the Lord gave me that have kind of been um, pillars or guideposts for me, and I trust that some of these have happened. This is what the Lord just shared with me. This is the time for Trinity Church to deepen our convictions, develop our capacity, cultivate our commitments, and strengthen our community. Did you get that? That'll preach. 
deepen our convictions, widen our capacity, cultivate our commitments, and strengthen our community. My prayer for you all during this season has been that that has happened, at least at least to some degree. But we're in process. You see, the, 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 the church is not just about an event. I think events like this can be really helpful, and I encourage them, as we have talked about. But it is also about a process. And I want us to reflect just a little bit today on what will actually continue to help us grow in this process, this um, ministry that will flourish as Marcus joins us and together all of you, along with him and the staff and the elders and all of you, continue to, to move ahead. And what the Lord brought to me was Philippians chapter 2, and I'd like us to, to look at that. Uh, I'd like you to turn to that. I'm going to use the New Living Translation this morning, which has become one of my favorites. I can hear my seminary professors in the translation here. Philippians 2 is one of those sentinel passages. And embedded here is a piece that will help us, as we embrace it, continue to flourish in the season ahead. I'd like to just read a few verses, and as we become accustomed, I'd like you to follow. And I'd also ask that you would stand for the reading of God's Word if you're able to do that. Philippians chapter 2 Verse 1, I'm reading from the New Living. If it looks a little bit different than what you have in front of you, that's okay. Is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ? Any comfort from His love? Any fellowship together with the Spirit? Are your hearts tender and compassionate? And the form of the original enjoins a positive response. Verse 2, then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another, working together with one mind and one purpose. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interest, but take an interest of others as well. You must have the same attitude, the same mindset that Jesus Christ had. Let's pray. Father, this is a this is a pivotal passage for us in our journey together as brothers and sisters in Trinity Church. Father, I ask that you would take these words and allow them to find favorable and deep lodging in our hearts. That, Lord, we would continue to grow. We would continue to follow you. We would continue to uh, take the direction that you've given to us and move ahead for your honor and for your glory. Father, I'm asking that your spirit would teach us, would take these words and allow them to be very deeply seated and rooted in our hearts. And we would continue to see them come out in our speech, in our behavior. We thank you for this possibility. In the name of Jesus, amen. Please be seated. The core of the message here that I want to just reflect with you is that in order to for this next season to flourish, we need to continue to pursue God's purpose for his church. 
Now, that's, that's about all that I've talked about, so there isn't going to be anything new, but we want to underscore, exclamation point, bold type. This, in fact, the, the, the um, I, I used to think that the key word in Philippians was joy, but I did a count, and the word mind and think actually comes out a little bit ahead, and that is, is emphasized in, in verse 5. You must have the same mind, the same attitude, the same thought patterns as Jesus had. So you can put that over the book of Philippians as a study guide as you work your way through this. Now, just a little bit of background about Philipp, uh, Philippians and Philippi. Uh, this was the first church that Paul founded, as far as we know, in uh, in Europe. It was a result of the Macedonian call. They journey across there, and uh, the congregation started with three people that we know of an international textile merchant, a slave girl who had been exercised of at least one demon, and then a Roman jailer who started his relationship with Paul by beating him up and throwing him in jail. Now, those are at least three that we know over in this church. And as you look at that, now, what an incredible base to plant a church but as you read through Philippians, you recognize, and you read through in Acts 16 where this is found, and this becomes one of the, one of the stellar churches, you know, in the entire region. But Paul, in fact, his note, his letter here is really a thank you note for a gift that they had sent to him. And with the thank you note, he gives them some encouragement about how they need to proceed and how they need to progress in their Christian walk in life. And this particular text is right in the center of us. I'd like us to look at it as we... There's three things in verse 2 that I want to just review with you that are central pieces that will help us as we interact with each other and with Pastor Marcus that will help us flourish in the season ahead. Again, there's nothing new. But we need to underscore. First thing, agree wholeheartedly with each other. Verse 2. This is how he puts it. Make me truly happy. Make Jesus happy. And you'll all be happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other. Now, folks, in a day where we often disagree, and I know that that never happens in, 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 in Covington, but I did look at some news and I just happened to hear that it sometimes happens in Washington. Um, but it probably never happens here. But if it should, he says, even to these people way back then, he says, I want you to agree with each other wholeheartedly, not half-heartedly, not a little bit. And he goes on, if you go over to chapter 4, you realize that there was, there was a little bit of division in the church because he talks to two ladies here, chapter 4, verse 2. I appeal to Yodi and Sintiki that they would work out their disagreement. So a there was something that was occurring there where they need to wholeheartedly, not just these two, two people, but the entire congregation to agree with each other in the Lord. And I say, oh man, <clears throat> I don't think I can do that because you know what? She really irritates me. I can't stand him. Now, you don't have to say that out loud. But sometimes it might occur that way. But this text gives us the basis for that. I go back to chapter 1 and where he, he, he gives this emphasis early on in his letter. Chapter 1 of Philippians, uh, verse 9. Philippians 1, 9. I pray that your love will overflow more and more. 
and that you keep on growing in knowledge and understanding. And I love verse 10. This is, this is one I want you to underline. It, in the New Living, it's translated like this. I want you to understand what really matters. I want you to understand what really matters. Brothers and sisters, that would, that's part of my prayer for you, individually and corporately, that you understand what really matters. And agreeing wholeheartedly with one another is one of the things that really matters because he goes on and he actually says it here. I want you to be, to live lives that are pure and blameless until Christ comes, filled with the fruit of your salvation, the righteous character that's produced in your life by Jesus Christ. This will bring praise and honor and glory to him as we've just been singing about. And so he, in a sense, repeats that in chapter 2. I want you to make the effort to agree wholeheartedly with each other. Now, he's not saying that we all have to agree on every single point. Think think unison, perhaps in an orchestra or maybe in an athletic team. There are different positions to play. There are different parts to sing, different instruments that are played. But they all come together, even though they're playing different notes, they're working off the same sheet of music. That is so, so very, very important. Jesus spends some significant time in his great prayer in John 17, praying that those followers would be unified. Let me just, let me just sample that quickly. You can jot it down. John 17. This is how he prays. Father, I want them to be one, even as you and I are one. This is John 17, verse 20 and 21. What? Jesus prays that his followers will have the same kind of oneness and unity experienced by the Trinity. That's close. That's close. In fact, he emphasizes it a couple of times here. He goes on in verse 22. I've given uh, the glory to the one who gave me so that they may be one. May they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me. That's amazing. When those people outside look at Trinity Church, that they say, wow, that looks like the Holy Trinity right there in the midst of them because of their unity. Agree with each other wholeheartedly. Now, again, We're united around specific kinds of things. And it says, even in the Evangelical Free Church doctrinal statement, we are an association of autonomous churches that are united around these particular convictions. And then the ten things are stated there. And it, it also acknowledges that we may have slight differences of opinion on certain things that hopefully are marginal. Now, I want you to take your bulletin because it actually makes a statement in your bulletin about this. Take your bulletin, pull it out, look at page four at the very right-hand, bottom right-hand corner. I know you read that every Sunday. In case you missed it, there's the little EFCA tree there, kind of like the, the Trinity Church tree. And it says, in essentials, unity, in non-essentials, charity, in all things, Jesus Christ. That is a great motto, brothers and sisters. 
Now, the challenge sometimes is, okay, what are the essentials? Well, those who have studied this have put that together in ten pillars called a doctrinal statement, a statement of faith that you all are a part of. Unify around that. Rally around that. Support that. Teach that. In addition to theological unity, your elders, I want you to know, are working really, really hard in terms of structural and ministry and strategic alignment. They're, they're crafting some fresh documents to help the church in, in some ministry alignment kinds of things. Some of you maybe have been a part of that. We're, we're calling them charters. That's so that all of us have the opportunity to work in alignment in order to facilitate the development of wholehearted followers of Jesus Christ. So we're all, all a team working off the same playbook in individual quadrants, in individual ministries. Thank you, elders, for your incredibly hard work in this season. As a congregation, you are fortunate. You are fortunate. Really, this is a, this is about teamwork. Now, just, I'm going to, I'm going to go ahead just a little bit into verse three before we go to the next piece. Look at verse three. He details some things here that will actually divert, distract, and even destroy unity. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others and be humble. Now, it's my opinion that arrogance probably destroys unity in a church group faster than any other thing. Now, we're all guilty because we come from a society that teaches us, I'm pretty important, and I deserve it. Yes, in one sense, but if God gave you what you deserved, look out. What you get is mercy and grace and forgiveness. And throughout the New Testament, the writers enjoin us to grant that kind of space and forgiveness and mercy to our brothers and sisters. That's part of this pursuit of wholehearted unity. That brings us quickly to the second point, and that is this, to love each other sincerely. And I picked the word sincerely there out of Romans chapter 12, where he says, don't just pretend that you love others, actually love them. You know, sometimes it's easy. It's like, you smile, yeah, 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 I really love you, sister. But on the inside, it's like, yeah. Well, that has to go a little deeper in, in terms of what the apostle is saying, to love them sincerely. But Pastor Dave, you just don't understand. Perhaps not. But... This is the kind of love that comes from Jesus and is detailed in his obedience and his love for the Father. And he gives us an expanded picture of that in verses 6 through 11, where he was a humble, obedient servant. And as Paul tells us here, don't just think about your own kinds of things, but also think about others. What, what is love? Love is not just a feeling. Oh, she's so cute. Um, he's so buff. Um, no. Love means I am willing to give myself away for the benefit of the other person without expecting anything in return. That is New Testament love. Let me say that again. 
Love is giving myself away for the benefit of the other person, not expecting any return. That is Jesus' love. That is Jesus' love. And that's what he's enjoining. That's what he's, he's, he's helping us cultivate. And he wants us to move ahead with. In fact, as you look at Paul's letter to the Galatians, the first fruit of the Spirit is what? Love. Or you can go to 1 Corinthians 13, where he expands on that and gives some enormous uh, picture of what love is really like. Sometimes we just read that at weddings and that's the end of it. But it applies in a far, far broader perspective. Now, the third thing I want us just to look at quickly here is to work together to serve one another with this singular purpose. And this is how he puts it here. He says, love one another. And then the third phrase here, demarcated by the comma, working together with one mind and with one purpose. Um, This is a tough one to translate. It actually has the idea that there would be a, a, a singularity of focus in the process of dealing with others in the church. A singular purpose. In fact, folks, the great thing about the New Testament, it, it has given to us the purpose. We don't have to figure out, I wonder what God wants us to do. Here it is. Here it is. Continue to follow it. Continue to move ahead with it because it's very, very, very important. Again, we could go back to chapter 1, verses 9 through 11, what's really important. But we're just going to press ahead and recognize that this singularity of purpose is not something that the Apostle Paul just sort of dreamt up and said, well, I think, I think the church should be united. Again, it comes from Jesus, and we need to press ahead with that, press ahead with a singularity of purpose. Let me just say, look, look quickly at the next few, the next paragraph, this beautiful poem Perhaps it was a hymn in the early church, Philippians 2, verse 6 down through 11, where he describes what Jesus um, went through, how he postured himself in order to be this servant. Let me just read you. He was God. He didn't cling to equality with God. He gave up his divine privileges and took upon him the humble position of a slave and was born a human being in human form and humbled himself in obedience to God, even down to the point of dying as a criminal. Folks, that's what Jesus did for you. And he asked us, As his followers, as Paul says, I want you to have this same mental posture, this same mental outlook, this same attitude that Jesus had as a humble, obedient servant. Brothers and sisters, that's what makes for a flourishing church. Well, somebody's probably going to take advantage of me. Yep, probably so. Again, look at Jesus. Again, look at what he has done. Review the gospel. Yes, the voices may change, but the gospel remains the same. Don't let it go. Stay with it. Stay with it. I want to just, I want to just um, go over a few pages to Ephesians 3. Ah, oh, this is a wonderful passage. Um, Ephesians 3, verse 10. 
wish I had time to preach through Ephesians. <laughs> wonderful, wonderful material. Ephesians 3.10. Let me, let me just read. The, God's purpose in all of this. He's talking about the church. He's talking about God's plan. He's talking about grace. He's talking about the gospel. God's purpose in all of this. Now watch this. You've got you to track with this. Was to use the church. Right here. The church. To display his wisdom in all its rich variety to all the unseen rulers and authority in heaven and place, heavenly places. This was his eternal plan, which he carried out through Christ Jesus our Lord. Now, this somehow doesn't capture, the English doesn't catch this, but this idea of a multifaceted jewel that sparkles in the light with hundreds of different kinds of colors. And, and if you think of a huge diamond that sparkles in enormous ways, think of that. And Jesus is saying, I'm going to hold this up like a trophy of grace so all the universe can see the power of God's transforming work in these people called the church. And he says, Satan, look at this. This is what my grace does. It redeems these people that you tried to capture and send to hell. And I am sending them to heaven by the grace of Jesus Christ. These are the trophies of God. That's the emphasis of that verse. He holds them up to display his grace and mercy across the universe. This was his eternal plan and it goes on forever and ever. Brothers and sisters, do you know that you are God's treasure? You are God's treasure. He treasures you individually and corporately. Now, that's astounding. You know, I look at my life and I go, God, I think you could do better somewhere else. <laughs> no. And, and I read this morning in Peter. He says, once, this is 1 Peter 2, once you were not a people, now you are God's people. Once you were nobodies." Now you are somebodies because of what Jesus has done. Therefore, brothers and sisters, embrace this. This is not just some sidebar incidental footnote in the pilgrimage of life. This is what, as Paul said, this is what's really important. This is what will take centerpiece all through eternity. And brothers and sisters, you're a part of this. You're a part of this. It is a wonder to behold. So this is my encouragement to you to continue to pursue God's purpose for his church as we've just reviewed very, very briefly. And God will be honored. You will be encouraged. And sinners will be saved as you do that. It is a wonderful, glorious thing to be part of this family that we know and love as the church. Yeah, there's a few wrinkles here and there. But God is patient and you be patient too. It is a wonderful, wonderful opportunity. May the Lord bless you and encourage you. May he give you fresh resolve and strength as you proceed into the future. As you flourish for the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Join me in prayer. Father, thank you for these dear brothers and sisters. Um, thank you for Trinity Church. 
Thank you for the light and the glory that you are displaying across this region through these brothers and sisters. And Father, my prayer is that that would continue to, to, to gain energy and influence and the radiance of your Son would multiply across the region through the brothers and sisters of Trinity Church. And now as Jude says, And now all glory to God, who is able to keep you from falling away, And to bring you with great joy into his glorious presence without a single fault. All glory to him alone who is God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord. All glory, majesty, power, and authority before all time, in the present, and beyond all time. Amen and amen. God bless you.